Congress has been deeply involved with federal information technology in recent years. It passed several landmark bills for greater data transparency, more efficient management of IT resources, and offering the public digital services. Yet the Congress itself is stuck in a technological time warp. For some ideas on how to move the institution along, we turn to Zach Graves, head of policy at the Lincoln Network. Mr. Graves, good to have you on. Hey, great to be here, Tom. So first of all, give us the state of affairs IT-wise in the Congress. Well, so it's a difficult institution in terms of its own internal IT infrastructure. I mean, they've gone through sort of periodic spurts to sort of uh, modernize. The The most recent one was really in, you know, 1995 after the Republican Revolution and Newt Gingrich took control of the House and instituted a number of reforms. But also what came out of that was a, a significant decline in sort of staffing and capacity that has sort of trended downwards since the 90s. And while that's happened, there's been a tremendous uptick in the volume of communications as digital tools have lowered barriers for constituents or advocacy groups to reach their representatives. Uh, meanwhile, the sort of budgets of congressional offices have stayed relatively flat or slightly declined. So you have this shift of manpower resources to these sort of communications functions without really sort of embracing the most modern uh, technological tools that are available. And you see this in a lot of ways. For example, bills are still published as PDFs that are not searchable. Sometimes you see the markups on them and the pencil erasers and so forth, and <laughs> you can barely look at in some of these bills that are two, three, five hundred, a thousand pages. Right, it's a, really an effort to see what's in there. Now they've made a lot of improvements in the last ten years, and sort of in terms of sort of making legislative data available and what's searchable through a website called Congress.gov, which aggregates a lot of the information available. But it still, you know, leaves a lot to be desired in terms of comparing new bills to past ones or how markups are handled and things like that. And with flat budgets in congressional offices, really good IT people are expensive, I guess. And right. really, is it the best approach for each individual office to have this? And should it be something that's centralized across right. Congress? So to, to the salary point, I mean, congressional salaries are below their executive branch counterparts. Uh, and they're also capped at what a member of Congress is making. So you can't pay a, a professional staff member, in most cases, more than $170,000 a year, which you know sounds like a lot if you, you know, go back to an average congressional district. But when you're talking about a top-of-market cybersecurity professional, those salaries can get very expensive in the private sector. And the executive branch has talked a lot about how they're having a huge workforce shortage in that area because of the compensation challenges. The other challenging factor uh, is, you know, it's not just sort of located in, in personal offices or committees. It's that there are, you know, 500-some different small businesses with their own rules and preferences. In addition to a number of other kind of there's, there's many different sort of fiefdoms and bureaucracies that operate often under opaque rules and standards. And so um, it's a very challenging market to do business in if you're a vendor coming in or a civic technologist wanting to do an application. We're speaking with Zach Graves, head of policy at the Lincoln Network. So what needs to change for Congress to get up to speed? Well, first of all, before we get there, what would a modernized Congress look like, both, right. say, from the congressional staff member and the member's standpoint and also from the constituent's standpoint? So there's a lot of things, you know, on a technical level that we can do to start improving 
Congress. I mean, some of the most obvious ones are improving what's called a constituent management service platform, which is like a, like a CRM that sure. we would think of today, like a Salesforce function for dealing with different flows of constituent communications. Right now, it's a very frustrating tool, both for sort of staffers who are working on these things and for members of the public who are trying to interact with their congressional office. And that's one area where I think could use a lot of sort of improvement. But there are a lot of little little details and things that are done on Excel spreadsheets that should be done in a more sophisticated fashion that we're also wasting a lot of time and taxpayer dollars on for you know, being just very inefficient. Okay. And uh, from the constituent standpoint, right. you could order a flag more easily. Or... Right. So, I mean, constituents often interact with members of Congress to try and get help with dealing with executive agencies, or maybe they want to go on a tour and want to have a smooth sort of experience trying to do that, uh, or even just sort of writing about a piece of legislation that they care about and want to make sure that their voice is heard. And getting back a sort of form-generated comment is not always the most pleasant experience, but I mean, given resource constraints that exist, that's what we're sort of lucky to get. I mean, Congress's approval rating has been in the teens for a number of years, well below how people feel about getting a root canal. So I think there's a lot we can do to sort of make that a better experience. And do you think that perhaps if they had better, as you say, constituent management systems right. in Congress, that a member could get an actually more accurate idea about what his or her constituency thinks about something? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, there's challenges in terms of like, you know, how that communications process is manipulated by advocacy groups and people who are you know, trying to get people in a district to send a big volume of email and you know, it's hard to tell whether that's statistically significant for the district or what that really means or whether that's Yeah, because to... these uh, the Twitter crazies and right. so forth can make it look like the whole world thinks something about right. something when it could be 10 people that are really good at manipulating Twitter. Right. But, I mean, you know, platforms like Twitter and Instagram have also offered really good tools for kind of direct interaction with the public. Members have used Twitter very well to to engage and build their brand even outside their district. So there's a lot of potential for expanding these sort of connections between the people and their representatives in a way that in the analog era didn't really exist. There weren't really a lot of sure. you know, frequent communications in when you're having horses deliver messages and so on. But it's sort of a double-edged sword because as you facilitate this kind of connection, you also have to deal with the volume of incoming information. All right. So what does Congress need to change? Is their acquisition system right. sufficient to carry out the task of modernizing? And how do you deal with the personnel yeah. issue? So these, I mean, there's a lot of different little organizations that handle these things in different ways. In the House, it's called the chief administrative officer that handles the bulk of procurements. Right. In the Senate, it's the sergeant at arms. Each of the congressional support agencies have their kind of own IT fiefdoms, whether that's GAO or CRS. Even the library, which is over CRS, has a different sort of system. So there's all these different places that have their own rules and do their own things. And sometimes member offices do their things even if they're against the rules. An interesting thing is you can look at they have so the House publishes a list of not authorized software. Uh, but if you look in the House disbursement data, you can see that offices are still buying it. What about the technical people? The strength here should right. be in the sergeant at arms and chief administrative officers right. rather than trying to disperse it throughout all of yeah, the so, districts. Yeah, I mean, some of this is centralized, and there are some functions that 
you know, inherently need to be centralized. There have been proposals for creating a congressional digital service modeled on, say, 18F or the USDS in the executive branch. You know, I think there are a number of challenges with trying to do that, but thinking through these problems is a good idea. Often these these sort of things are low-hanging fruit. It's a matter of getting people who are more focused on sort of their election coming up every two years rather than sort of this tragedy of the commons problem of, of building the institution and making it better. And finally, any particular members that seem to be interested in this that could drive this right. type of effort. Yeah. So at the beginning of this Congress, the House created a new select committee on the modernization of Congress, which is set to tackle some of these questions. And the last such congressional reform committee was back in the early 90s. So I think a lot has happened since the early 90s, technology-wise. And so this committee, which is bipartisan, uh, will produce a number of reforms. Uh, It'll take a a two-thirds majority to put out any of these reforms, and they'll put out a report at the end of this year, which should be very interesting. We also have new leadership in some key committees for some of this stuff, the Committee on House Administration uh, is now chaired by Zoe Lofgren, who's a very good pro-technology member. So I think there's a lot of opportunities to um, you know, sort of rethink some of these problems. Zach Graves is head of policy at the Lincoln Network. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you very much. We'll post a link to the legislative branch acquisitions paper and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.